This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. There have been a lot of arguments lately that say that we're living in the most biblically illiterate time in all of history. This is certainly debatable, and in a way it's even hard to believe, because as of the end of 2020, the most common Bible app, which is YouVersion, alone had been downloaded more than 450 million unique times since 2008. And that's just for one popular Bible app, and there are a number of others. So think about it. In addition to having a phone, an audio recorder, and a camera, that means that there are millions of people who are walking around every single day with a Bible in their pocket. In addition, there are thousands, if not millions of people who read, receive, and share Bible verses of the day. And there are scores of daily devotionals that people are reading alone and in groups like never before. So what is this whole idea that we are not biblically literate? I don't know. It's always hard to interpret the true meaning of statistics that are presented. But here's a quick knowledge check to help you kind of see where you stand. Of course, this would be so much more effective if I was in a room live somewhere with you and could ask you face to face. But still, here goes. Which of these passages or phrases is not in the Bible? Okay. Number one. When Eve saw that the tree in the garden was good for food and would make them wise, she took the apple and ate and gave it to her husband also. Number two, the Lord appointed a whale to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. Number three, money is the root of all evil. Number four. Pride goeth before a fall. Number five, God will not give you more than you can bear. And number six, three wise men came from the east to bring Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, out of all of those six passages I just read, which ones of those are not in the Bible? You may be surprised to hear that none of those passages are actually in the Bible. None of them. Wait a minute. Hold on. That can't be right. I can hear you now. You cannot be right. Let's take a look at each one of them. Number one, there is no place in Scripture that says that the fruit that Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil was an apple. It only says it was fruit. It could have been anything at all. 
Number two, the Bible says that God appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah where he stayed for three days and three nights. It does not say that the fish was a whale. In fact, the two largest known fish today are not even whales at all. They're different types of sharks. I'm just saying. Number three, money is the root of all evil. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction for or because the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Did you catch that? It does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Okay, number five. Number four, I think. Four? I think it's four. Proverbs 16, 18 says this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It does not say Pride goeth before a fall. Doesn't say that. I think this is five. God will give you more than you can bear. You hear people quote this often, and I cannot find one single place in the Bible where this actually is or even is close. The closest thing that I see that maybe this had kind of spun out from is a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13, which says, No temptation has overtaken you except something common to mankind. And God is faithful, so he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to bear it. So this scripture is talking about Israel and their sin And encouraging, Paul is encouraging him, do not sin like Israel was tempted to sin. And even if you are tempted to sin, God will give you a way of escape. That is the closest scripture I can come up with that even comes up with that or comes close to that whole God won't give you more than you can bear. It's just not in there. Number six, this is the last one. Three wise men came from the east bringing Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. While the story of the birth of Jesus does say that there were wise men who came to see him from the east bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It does not say that there were three of them. There could have been two of them. There could have been 30 of them. Could have been 300. We don't know how many it was. The Bible simply does not say. So some of you right now may be saying, you know what? Those are just technicalities. You trying to make a big deal out of nothing and confuse people with semantics. No, I'm not. Quite the contrary. I'm trying to challenge you about why you believe what you say you believe and what is it exactly that you do believe? Where did it come from? And what or who is your faith really in? I'm not saying that every one of us is supposed to be a Bible scholar, but I am saying that all of us at one time or another have fallen prey to believing something that someone said was in the Bible that we never actually read or saw 
for ourselves. And so I'm believing things that somebody said rather than believing what the Word of God actually says. I've been there. I don't know about you. And so when God does not do the thing or perform in the way that we expect or want Him to, even though His Word never actually said that He would, we get discouraged, frustrated, disillusioned, or worse, we can question who God really is. So now, reading a Bible verse or two a day is meaningful, to be sure. It is a hundred times better than reading nothing at all. But many people, many of us who have done that or do that, approach that whole activity of reading a verse a day like it's a way of getting encouragement for ourselves, or, or helping us to get our minds right so we can face our day, or checking it off like, Yeah, I read my Bible today. Did that. Again, that is better than doing nothing at all. But when we approach the Bible for those reasons alone, we are leaving so much value on the table. In fact, one of the greatest gifts that has ever been given to us. Because if you are a Christian, that means you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, accepted and chosen to believe it, And you have surrendered your life to the God who gave his life for you. The prayer that you prayed when you gave your life to Christ would have represented the beginning of the journey. The act of surrender. The point of turnaround from one way of life to another as a result of what was made available to you through the death of Jesus on the cross. But unfortunately, many of us, when we prayed that prayer, the end goal in our minds was something in between, now I'm going to have a better life, and now I'm not going to have to go to hell when I die. And the good news is that all of that was included in the offer, but eternal life is so much more than just having a better, more successful life and getting out of our mess and then going to heaven when we die. It's more than that. Jesus said in John 17, 3, This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So Jesus did not just die so that we could avoid hell. I'm very grateful that that's part of the package. But he also died... So that he himself, his death, his blood could be the gateway to allow us to actually know God and know him. And of course, he and the Father are one. So how can I actually know him? Well, there's no greater or more valuable gift and treasure that we have other than the blood of Jesus than the word of God. Jesus and his word are one. So when we take the time to read the Bible for more than just what we need from it, we avail ourselves of the incredible privilege of getting to know him. But I'm not going to just drop that out there without acknowledging that there are some of us who would like to read the Bible more, but honestly just find it a challenge or a struggle. I get it. I really do. I certainly have been there. Um, Many of us have heard someone share a message like this before only to get our Bible out. We try to read it. We try to get into it. And then we get distracted. We get sleepy. We get bored. We just give up. I think most of us have been in that place before at one time in life, if we're honest. But 
If we can start with an honest desire, I mean, if we can say truthfully, Lord, I really do want to read your word and I really do want to know you. If we can pray that prayer with honesty and sincerity, and if we are willing to take the time and to make the effort, I know that is a prayer that he will always answer. Why? Because he died for that. And he sent his spirit to help you experience that very thing. And I want to help you too, if I can. I can't put into words the passionate desire that I have for people to know Jesus, like for real, and have a meaningful, personal, intimate relationship with him. To me, there is absolutely nothing else on earth that is of greater value to seek in this life or to pursue, because he's everything. And and to know the one who willingly made the choice to die for you, even when he knew all the mistakes you would make again and again, even when he knew all the other lovers and distractions we would pursue above him and before him. Even when he knew that at times we would completely ignore him. He knew all of that before he made that journey up the hill to that cross and he still went. That's the one I want to know. The one with a heart like that. The one who would do all of that knowing all that there was to know about me and what I would do or not do in return for his gift But yet he still thought that I was worth it, that you were worth it. And he laid it all down just to please the Father and just to have a relationship with us. I want to know him, that one right there. And I want to challenge you to know him too. Not just know about him, but to know him. And no matter how long you've been pursuing or walking with God, I'm telling you there's more. Because a life that is utterly consumed with knowing him is a fantastic voyage that never ends. And he wants that more than we ever could. So if you've had challenges in this area, you go over to my website, thenewlol.com. You're going to find a link to some resources you can download that will help. There's a simplified uh, inductive study method, which I call the seven-step Bible study blueprint. There are also some videos that you can watch that answer and address some common questions and issues with reading and understanding the Bible. You think about it, right? We effortlessly talk about and share things that impact us deeply, no matter what type of impact those things have had. If we see a movie that makes us laugh, or that has some good action or a story we enjoy, what do we do? We tell people, you gotta go see it. If we watch a TV show or something on Netflix that captivates us enough to make us binge a whole series in a week or in a weekend, what do we do? We tell people, you have to watch this show. If we read a book that makes us think or spins an amazing or interesting or an enjoyable story, what do we do? We tell people, you got to read that book. And if we meet somebody and fall in love or have a memorable trip or experience, we can't stop talking about it. My best friend got married this last year, and I think I told more people about it than she did. I was so excited and so happy for her. It was almost like it was it, I got married myself. I told everybody, showed everybody the pictures. And I'll submit this to you. When we get that close and that intimate with Jesus himself, the same thing happens. We can't help but to talk about him all the time without even trying. Because when we allow him to capture our hearts, 
then he just overflows our hearts. The world and everything around us just looks different. And I'm not talking about some kind of delusion or anything. I'm talking about seeing the world and all of life through the lens of his word and his heart. And it just changes you. And that's when you get that changed life and that better successful life that you're already seeking. So what am I saying? If you don't constantly, or I should say constantly, if you don't consistently read the Bible right now, you should. And if you don't read the Bible with a desire and an intent to know him, then you should. If you'd like to know him better, more deeply, more intimately, I'm certain that he wants that too. And spending more time in his word will help. If you struggle with the Bible, reading it, understanding it, all of that, then I can give you some tools to help. But I'm telling you, a life transformed by Christ brings a boldness that is like nothing you can work up on your own. It flows out of you often and without effort. And committing yourself to knowing him better through his word can be like pouring fuel on the flame of love in your heart. So start doing that more and more and more and watch what happens. It won't even be hard. You'll start living boldly out loud.